Welcome to Pushing Forward with Alicia, a podcast that gives disability a voice. Each week, we will explore topics like confidence, ambition, resilience, and finding success against all odds. We are creating a collective community that believes that all things are possible for all people. Open hearts, clear paths, let's go. Welcome back to Pushing Forward with Alicia. I'm Alicia, and we are talking about barrier-free design today with Megan Blau. I am one of her biggest fans. I've been following her on social media for years at this point. She is the founder of Blue Copper Design, which is a full-service interior design studio based in Arizona. And she is an expert in barrier-free design that is also, may I note, beautiful and stunning and amazing. And I wanted everything and all of it in my house. It's a combination of accessibility with beautiful interiors to elevate and empower their clients. Their designs are brave, intentional, inclusive, intuitive, and they're very thoughtful in your designs. Megan, welcome. Thank you so much, Alicia, for having me. So Very flattering introduction. (laughs) So you know that since the moment the Instagram angels crossed our paths, I have been completely obsessed with your design, specifically because I think when I was introduced to you, I was just buying my house and I was going through all these design things and I just wanted my house to be accessible, which it is not still. And I came across your Instagram and your kitchen is perfection for a wheelchair user. At least it looks like it. And your bathroom, actually. I've been enjoying watching the design work that you do ever since. Do you want to jump in really quick and give a little overview of who you are, how you started in this work and a little bit about your business? Yeah, of course. Like you said, my name is Megan. Um, I have been a wheelchair user for, I think it's 13 or I can't remember 14 years now. Um, I'm a quadriplegic. So I had a diving accident when I was 17, got my spinal cord injury there (laughs) um, from that and have been moving on ever since. So in 2018, I started my business, Blue Copper Design. And it really came from my personal journey. Like you just said, Alicia, like I bought my first house. I needed to make it accessible, but I also have always been like obsessed with design. So I had like a very specific vision for what I wanted my house to be. And I, I hear this all the time from um, other people with disabilities, which we can get into later, but they always say like, I don't want my house to look like someone in a wheelchair lives there. Like if I could quote that and put it on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker, I would, and then I would burn it. (laughs) But back then I had that same notion. So um, I hired a contractor. I went through the whole process of my own home renovation and I really fell in love with it. Like the good, the bad, the ugly, the messy. It was kind of like a disaster, but beautiful in the same turn. Like if it was, I always say if my, if that project was like one of my projects, I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. But, um, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't acting as a designer. I was just a homeowner directing my contractors and really like my journey and my experience with that sparked the idea to create a interior design studio that was focused on barrier-free design because I found that I was having to explain myself a lot to my contractors and they didn't understand what I meant when I was like, 
I don't want ADA code. Like I want it like this. And they were like, but ADA says this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. This is my personal house. And I like, don't need it to be ADA code. I just want it to like function for me. And I realized like, oh my gosh, it's like a whole nother level of advocacy that I couldn't find anyone who specialized in. So I decided to specialize in it myself. You know what I just loved about that comment? A contractor is telling you, no, this is ADA code. And you're saying, I understand that, but this is what works for me. And I think we're already seeing, you know, my platform is based around ableism and, and general society kind of understanding their bias towards people with disabilities. And that is absolutely one in that we should all fit in this box that fits into ADA and it should all kind of be the same, which, you know, every disability is so different. And so I think that that is a really, really cool mention and something to to note. What is it like for somebody with a disability to not have accessibility? Can you give us a couple like examples? I mean, I'm, I'm really picky when it comes to my homes, obviously. And that's why I decided to come into this realm. So like, I will say, I feel very lucky and blessed to like, not have to live in super inaccessible places. Now, I mean, obviously traveling and the first home I went to after the hospital was not accessible at all. And I like just had to adapt and everything like that. But from personal experience, like I'm demanding with that because it's really like disempowering. And so when I say like, we build spaces to empower our clients' lives, like I truly mean it because I think when your home is not accessible and you have to put that much effort into like overcoming and like persevering in your own home, um, you just don't have a lot of and much energy for anything else. Like it's very discouraging. So the places that I have lived that have been less accessible or less set up for me, it's just more of a struggle. And then on top of that, like it's more dangerous. Like the person I was at year two or three, um, in my injury versus now in thir- year 13, um, 14 is not the same person. Like, like mm-hmm. I have a lot more wear and tear on my body. I have a lot more needs. I have a lot more pickiness, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like I can't, it's just so much harder to like muscle your way through life as you age in general. And then as you age with a disability. So I just think it's really like in one word, I think it's disempowering. And then I also think it's exhausting. It's not only disempowering, but it's exclusive, right? Like we've got an open floor plan. And when I'm cooking in the kitchen, I can't see into the room where everybody is because my head is like below, you know? So there's just like also some exclusion from society. What I also heard you say is you've changed as you've grown into your disability and things wear and tear, right? Like you do definitely start to wear down a little bit and your body changes. But I think the longer you live with a disability and it really like becomes yours, um, you get a little bit braver in the things that you demand that you know that you deserve to have in your life while you're navigating it. And um, I know for me, I've been more brave as I've been cruising down this advocacy path and, and you know, exploring these tougher conversations. And what do you mean by brave in your design? Like, what does that mean to you? For me, brave from an aesthetic standpoint is like, we're going to do something you haven't seen before. Like Mm. we're going to punch it up. We're going to like take a little bit of a risk. Like I'm not the biggest risk taker with design. i you know, I'm not going to throw up pattern everywhere, um, (laughs) in different colors and stuff, but I do want to have an element where it's like, Oh, I haven't seen that before. And having my clients be a little bit afraid to like, uh, implement that in their homes. Um, but it always will turn out cool. So for me, uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, that's what it means. 
And then also from an accessibility standpoint, it's like, okay, we're going to tell the contractor, no, that's not how it's going to be done. When your tile guy says, I can't do it this way, we're going to be like, are you sure? Because we've already done it this way before. We're going to be brave in our voice. We're going to be brave in our needs. And we're going to, you know, we're going to ask for what we want and we're going to, we're going to get it <laughs> like one way or another. Amazing. I love it. What are some of the barriers that you run into that you're constantly having to, to dismantle? Yeah, I would say, honestly, my biggest barriers besides like the physical things. So if we're going to talk about just more you know, dealing with people and getting ideas done. Um, my Obviously, I have a barrier with working with contractors. I've kind of circumvented that, at least here in Arizona, because I have now used same contractors over and over. So they kind of know what I'm about. But I will say I've been in business now five years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a good number. <laughs> thank you. I, I think so too. Um, the one thing that's really taken me by surprise is that my clients are actually barriers for me <laughs> and they're barriers for themselves. It, it's been like a really, um, interesting, like human study of like psychology when you mm -hmm. have people who are disabled, especially people who used to be able-bodied and then they became disabled. They have this like, Oh, I don't need that. Or like, it's fine if we can't accomplish that or like, you know, like, yeah, it's a little hard, but I can do it. It's really breaking down the fact that, Hey, you deserve to have a home and a space that works for you that you don't have to like muscle through. Let's make it right. And so that's been an interesting barrier. I will say I never expected that. I can only imagine like if you're newly injured, how hard it would be to turn off that internalized ableism of, I don't need that. That's for a disabled person or, or that type of thinking. And my husband and I are in disability sports and we like advocate for people doing different sports and whatever. And it's the same kind of work that we do. Like, Hey, do you know that this is out there that you can go and play this or do this? So I think it's awesome that you're paving that information forward. Cause even if it's not fully received in the first like go around, that is all powerful information for them to take with them throughout their life. That's awesome. Thank you for saying that. I mean, it's something I I'm like trying to get better at navigating because it can be like super sensitive, obviously for people. Mm -hmm. We're constantly having to change ourselves to fit in with the rest of the world. And I think it's just like an extension of that more than anything else from what I see. Yeah. Like the problem is not us. It's our environment around us. that has been so inaccessible through millennia that society looks at us like we can't do X, Y, and Z. And if we do, there's a big party because we've accomplished something that is, is basic and is just just a, mm -hmm. a part of life. What is your average typical client? Are they wheelchair users? Is there, is it a mixed bag? Like who, who is your client? Um, it's definitely a mixed bag. I would say 70% right now um, of our projects have some elements of barrier-free design. So a big criticism I get online is like, oh, that's not ADA or that's not barrier-free. Well, not all my projects are. And I like that. I mean, it just speaks to me as a person. Like I, I tell people all the time, if I wasn't in a wheelchair, I would still be an interior designer. So I welcome the able-bodied people as well. Yeah. Well, and you know what I love about that too? Number one, you're pitching to everyone and it's the universal design aspect that like every consumer wants anyways. So you're actually creating this premium product, whether you have a disability or not, to have these amazing spaces that function to fit 
multiple ability levels, which is an intuitive way to access infrastructure products or whatever. The universal design aspect of it, I think is so valuable. You are listening to Pushing Forward with Alicia and we will be right back. If you're an employer looking to motivate and inspire your team through the power of diversity and inclusion and learn more about disability inclusion in the workplace and how to include disability into your DEI efforts, please check out my keynote speech offerings on aliciaanderson.com. That's A-L-Y-C-I-A Anderson with an O.com. Click on speaking. Welcome back to Pushing Forward with Alicia. I'm Alicia, and we are talking about barrier-free design today with Megan Blau. You know, the whole adaptive product line is finally starting to gain some traction. Is that coming across your desk? And do you have any favorite designers? The most mainstream one that I've seen in recent times has been from Pottery Barn. Mm. So Pottery Barn has an accessibility tab on their website, and it has everything from like... um, adjustable bed vanities, like roll under vanities that are already pre-made, which are nice. And then just like a few other furniture items. So when I'm looking for furniture, the biggest thing I pay attention to is seat height. Um, but as far as like accessibility lines, no, I, I mean, I, I'm in the furniture world all the time. And it's something that, um, I have talked to like uh, wholesale manufacturers about. Um, and it's, when it comes to furniture for me, it's like a super simple thing. It's transfer height. And then like stir, like how sturdy is this piece of furniture? Does it have an arm? Is it going to tip over if I like push off of it to transfer in and out of, um, Mm. and that goes for beds and things as well. Um, and then there's a whole other side of like renovations. So that's, I always kind of break up my design tips into two because there's furniture and then there's renovation. And of course, renovation, we all know what grab bars are and that there's pretty ones out there now. And I don't know about you, Alicia, but I actually never use grab bars unless I'm traveling and like I'm a little unsteady in a shower or a toilet area. But in my own house, I don't even have grab bars. Yeah, I've never used grab bars either. And I actually like was adamantly against them forever just because they look like, to your point, like they just came out of a hospital bathroom or something. It just reminded me of having surgery or something, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely get like, they have better detail and then you can get the finishes to match your plumbing hardware, like Kohler and Delta, pretty much all the major um, plumbing brands will make their grab bars and all of the finishes they offer, or at least the majority of them. So that's nice. And grab bars are great for certain people. Like it's great for um, seniors. It's great for people who maybe like do have some mobility and they just need some stability when like in those areas, like maybe they don't need a wheelchair all the time, but as far as like transferring, I feel like there's this misconception that people use grab bars and I I have yet to find that. I just think people use it more for stability. So where do you think the industry is going? I think the future looks super bright. I mean, since starting my business, I've gotten some really great feedback. I see it more like in the past two years than I ever have in the past three years, the mention of aging in place, universal design, barrier-free design. I think people 
understand like, okay, if, what if I like fell and broke my leg and had to have a surgery? Like, does my house work for me? No. Well, what? like there's no reason why it shouldn't. So there's even from like acute injuries to like severe disabilities and everywhere in between, like, I think people are starting to see that. And then I think the biggest level of traction that we've got, honestly, is like the aging in place with the boomers. Like everyone's afraid about where the boomers are going. Um, and I'm like, Hey, let's talk. Let, like if they're going to start the conversation, I'll finish it. So yeah, I would say as far as traction on that, I'm very hopeful. I still think that there needs to be a lot of education for people like who are actually making the changes as far as contractors and designers and things like that. And I also, this is something I've learned over the past five years. I didn't really know exactly how to explain barrier-free design because I felt like people always thought it was this big, complicated, scary, expensive thing that mm-hmm. no one really wanted to touch. They don't know how to talk about it because it can be a sensitive topic to people. And I'm like, finally, when I was talking to like a business coach, I was like, it's really actually like not that hard. And she was like, okay, that's what you need to tell people. So here mm-hmm. I am telling people. It's actually not that hard. The minimum of barrier-free design is not that hard. We want an accessible entrance. So a curbless entrance, one to a house or a portable ramp at the minimum. And we want one curbless shower and one pretty good accessible sink and toilet. For most people that would change lives. Those like simple, simple things are, that's not even being done in new builds and renovations. And I think that's like if I, I mean, it's not enough, but I would love, I would be so happy to see that being started there. That just feels like it opens up a lot of opportunity and return on investment and all kinds of things. We only have 1% of homes in the United States are considered accessible. 1%. We definitely have some work to do. Like your house will be more valuable if you make it more accessible. It doesn't have to be ugly. It doesn't have to be a hospital. And side note, I have like a little case study. So I did a barrier-free consultation for a woman. Her son um, was disabled and used a power chair. And we met with like a big home, like a national home builder, which I typically don't do. And I ended up with the changes that we made to make her one of her bathrooms more accessible. We saved her $13,000 on her home. So it is not more expensive because they use less material. So it's always easier to make a home accessible from scratch. That I will say is a thing. Um, Renovating things to make it accessible is where things get tricky, but renovations are tricky anyways. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Before we wrap up, I like to wrap up every show with a pushing forward moment. So this might put you on the spot. Is there anything that you could give um, our listeners to inspire them to start down a journey such as yours. So whenever I come across anybody who asks me questions like those, I just say like, what would you do if you weren't disabled? Go do that. This is my hot take. I think all too often people with disabilities think like, okay, I have to make this like my whole entire life. Now my whole identity is being a person with a disability. And I think it's more powerful to see people who are with disabilities in areas that they're passionate about. So if you want to be a teacher, go be a teacher, like go show, go show people that people with disabilities can be a teacher. If you want to work for NASA, go show people that people with disabilities can work for NASA, find your interest as a person and pursue that. And then your disability and your power of advocacy, I think will just follow. Yes. So Megan, as a consumer, as you're talking about all these, these amazing designs and your services, 
like what keeps coming to mind is number one, you definitely look like your brand is beautiful and premium and gorgeous and just what I would want. But also I feel like as a consumer with a disability, it would be working with you would be like having a vacation from having to be a teacher to other contractors or other vendors that might not understand the lived perspective and what like we might need in a space. A lot of people don't know what they're doing with homes able-bodied wise. So can you imagine trusting your renovation to like a contractor who doesn't know what they're doing? So, and that also kind of speaks to like having the disability community understand that like they deserve luxury too. Like some people think that they don't deserve it because they're disabled and whatever reason that comes with like, and no, like we deserve luxury. We deserve services just like everybody else. And so I really wanted to start my business um, to advocate for like regular, like a traditional interior design studio business model, um, but that just catered to people with disabilities. Megan, thank you so much. So everything will be in the show notes, but please tell our audience how to find you, how to book you, how to get a consultation with you, all of your services. Yeah, of course. I offer three different services, all at different price points and tiers. Um, our most involved is full service. That's if you want to start to finish through the whole journey of your uh, project. And then we also offer virtual design. So if you're just needing some help, like getting started and you want to plan and you want to execute it on your own, that's great. And then we also offer barrier-free consulting. So that's just a one-time 90-minute service where we can go over anything you want. Um, That's great for people who already have plans. If they're already working with an architect or a contractor and they just want us to review it, that's been the most common um, use for that. But you can use us for any time, anything in those 90 minutes. And then best place to find me is Instagram. Blue Copper Design is my name on all socials. I'm most active on Instagram and you might find some like unhinged things of me on TikTok <laughs> with copper design. <laughs> um, and then my website is bluecopper.design. And if you find me on one place, you'll find me everywhere. So. I love it. <laughs> Megan, it has been my absolute pleasure to finally meet you woman to woman. I, you are so talented. You are such an artist and a wonderful human being. And you're just making so many great moves and changes and advocating for inclusion and just all of it. So thank you for being you and doing the awesome work and showing the world that people with disabilities can be amazing interior designers as well. This has been Pushing Forward with Alicia. I'm Alicia and that is how we roll. If you're an employer looking to motivate and inspire your team through the power of diversity and inclusion and learn more about disability inclusion in the workplace and how to include disability into your DEI efforts, please check out my keynote speech offerings on aliciaanderson.com. That's A-L-Y-C-I-A Anderson with an O dot com. Click on speaking.